Kia ora, hello, and welcome to Bod Almighty, the practical how-to podcast helping you feel better about your body, have a peaceful relationship with food, and go out into the world with confidence. Everywhere we turn these days, someone is telling us to love your body. But how? Well, by listening to this podcast is how. That's right. We are your hosts, Hannah Tunnicliffe and Michelle Sokolich. Without further ado, let's get started. Today, we're very excited to have Megan Kerr joining us. By day, Megan Kerr is a social media community manager, building and engaging with social media communities for some of New Zealand's most trusted brands. By night, Megan Kerr writes about plus-size style and her life as a fat woman. It's fair to say she spends quite a lot of time on the internet. Megan has been featured in Sunday magazine Stuff.co.nz and Woman magazine and has appeared on a number of shows including The AM Show, News Hub Live and Seven Sharp, talking about body liberation and plus-size fashion. She was also part of a panel at New Zealand Fashion Week in 2019 discussing diversity and what fashion can do to be more inclusive. Megan is a fat, queer, Māori woman, Naitahu, Kati Māmui, Nati Kahununu, living in Tamaki Makoro with her partner. She is the mama of one now adult son, loves board game battles with her whānau, taking naps, swimming in the ocean, tending to her many houseplants, and her goal in life is to pat as many dogs as possible. Welcome, Megan. Kia ora. So nice to have you here. And I'm very excited um, about a topic which is close to my own heart, and I'm sure a lot of women can relate to, and that's about how to be in the photo. So starting off, I would love to hear about yeah your journey with being in, in photographs and, and how that's been for you. So my background is also as a photographer, and I did a photography degree that I finished, I think, 2012, so it's quite some time in the past now. Um, I'm from a family of photographers. My partner is from a family of photographers. Uh, he is a photographer. And now I spend a lot of time in front of the camera, but that was definitely not always the case for me. Um, I remember bef- when I, it must have been when I was at uni, I was definitely not keen to be in the photo. And I remember distinctly a time where my mum wanted a family photo and we we're at my grandma's. Everybody was there and I was not having a bar of it. Did not like how I felt in my body. Didn't want, I just didn't want to show up in that photo. Did your own mother get into the photo? I'm curious to know if your your own mother was in the photo um, because you said that she was a photographer from a long line of photographers, which I think is beautiful. What a legacy. Um, Did she hop in the photo? A lot of the time, no, because she was behind the camera. And I think that happens way too often. For a lot of us, it's mum taking the photo and sometimes we need to remind our partners and other people in our lives to make sure that we're in the photo. Absolutely. A lot of the time she wasn't in the photo, not necessarily because she didn't want to be in the photo, but because Mm. my dad didn't know how to use the camera or he didn't, you know, he didn't pick up the camera. What, and you mentioned to me that there was there are some photographs that are really special to you, not because of the way you look in them, but because of the memories they evoke. Can you talk to us about that? Yeah, so one of the reasons that my mum wanted to get that big family photo of all of us is because it's not, you know, it's not that common that we're all together because we're a big family. Um, and unfortunately, since then, 
a few family members have died. So there's literally no chance that we're ever going to get a photo together, which I think is such a shame because, mm-hmm. you know, there's people in my family that I have no photos that I'm in the photo and they're in the photo together. Yeah. Um, following on from studies at uni, uh, when I started to intentionally be in the photo more, um, I made a really, it was a really concerted decision to show up in photos. So I took my camera when I went to my grandma's and made sure that we got photos together. Um, and because, you know, there's a lot of time where I think I have maybe three photos of her from the time I was a teenager mm. to my 30s. But I sat down and, you know, we set up my tripod and we intentionally took photos of me and my mum and my grandma together. And I think there's, yeah, there's only a few photos of the three of us together. And now she's dead. And mm. I've got these cool memories. And for generations to come. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. really cool to be able to show those to, uh, like, my brother's kids who really didn't get to experience growing up with her absolutely I remember as a young child I would spend hours my grandparents had masses of photo albums of you know their all their lives they documented them really well and I was always so fascinated to sit down and pour through it and it's such a um it's such a rich history of you know storytelling that comes through photos and being able to look back on them it really makes you think when you look back and think about all those moments that you've missed out on you know capturing sure you might remember them in your mind as well but for those future generations to be able to see you definitely there's so much you miss I think um, by not putting yourself in that history yeah absolutely and I think that that having that photo is also a really good way to trigger those memories. Yes. You know, like I will sit down and somebody might ask me about a certain photo and then it's like bringing that moment and those people to life again, which I think is super cool. Mm. So you studied photography, presumably you were taking photos of other people or other subjects and then you made decisions about, right, I'm going to take my camera. I'm going to get in the photo more. Um, Tell, tell us about that time and kind of what shifted for you over that time. Um, so a lot of the photos I was doing were portraits of people, um, like beauty, fashion, that kind of portrait. Um, and I was also doing a bit of retouching. Now, when we think retouching, it's not like that, uh, you know, remove a pimple. It was like a, let's reshape this person and totally smooth their skin. Mm. Like, Instagram filters, but, you know, more hard out, I think. And mm-hmm. I kind of got to the point where I was like, you know, like I already knew that I definitely was not represented in the media. Um, but even more so because anyone who looked vaguely like me was absolutely retouched beyond recognition. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I guess when digital became more of a thing, we could see those, you know, they, people would always publish that, oh, this is what the celebrities look like unretouched. Mm. And I think that was a big turning point, realizing that I was one of those people who was responsible for making, making that unrealistic standard. Um, so it was partly that. And also I decided to start a blog talking about fashion because I didn't see anybody who looked like me talking about fashion here in Aotearoa. Um, And when I started out, I used photos from ASOS and other websites like that. 
but at the time their models not so diverse so I kind of felt like if I wanted to show what things looked like on somebody like me I had two options pay somebody else to be the model which I was a student so not really flush with cash or suck it up and do it myself um so if you look at any early photos of me I'm real awkward in front of the camera um actually I'm probably still pretty awkward in front of the camera um because I have like my, you know the same four poses we all do <laughs> left hand on hip right hand yeah. on hip both hands on hip yes. uh, hands by your sides touching your hair <laughs> yeah blue steel laughing at salad <laughs> yes it was so interesting you said there about the only other person I saw who looked like me in photographs was my mum and it made me realize again Megan your point about how important it is as as parents to be in photos because we're the people who are who are most who are going to look like our children most as they become adults right like they're going to look yeah. probably a lot like us <laughs> so if, if at least there's photos of us out there if not you know other people that look like us at least that's a good start like that's a good contribution right to yeah. showing them the kinds of adults that they might become and I wanted just to quickly jump in and just give perhaps people who are listening a bit of an idea or, or an action or an exercise that they could work with which was is to consider as you mentioned the whānau who are no longer around to have a photograph with or the moments that you've not captured because you didn't want to be in the photo and how those how those memories do get lost I know it's a little bit of a sad um, exercise to think on but I think I really appreciated that example you gave about the three generations being in the photo and how treasured that is. And I instantly regretted not being in more photos with more members of my family, more generations of my family. I think it's so special. So I think if people have a little moment to reflect on that and realize the opportunity that remains in front of them to get into the photograph with various generations of their family, to get in the photograph in moments that are special and it's kind of like um yeah as you said michelle it's like saving it for the future it's saving it for your kids mm. even if not for yourself right absolutely yeah and i think not just your kids your grandkids your friends um because i guess i'm extremely aware of my own mortality during covid times you know mm. if you were to die tomorrow heaven forbid would your young children know what you looked like mm. if you're not in photos? Absolutely. You know, and that is a horrible thing to think about, but it's the yeah. reality. Tell us a bit about how important it is to see people that look like yourself in the media that you consume daily. I really don't think that I saw anybody who looked like me at all other than my mum um until I was mm, I don't know maybe in my 20s mm. um and obviously we didn't grow up with the internet we grew up with uh magazines that told us we were not good enough in one breath and how to love yourself in another which was really contradictory um <laughs> so true. but the biggest person i ever saw in one of those was a horror real body issue real body <gasps> issue um mm. she's a size 16 and 
mm. wearing very unflattering garments that really just don't mm. show your body off, like really trying to hide any kind of shape for their body. Um, mm. So definitely did not see myself represented in those. And it wasn't until maybe, I think, probably Tumblr, when Tumblr oh, was a yeah, big right. Um And I found people like Tess Munster, now Tess Holiday, um, Natalie Means Nice. Those, those are my two really big people that I discovered who had bodies like mine, who were really into fashion and sharing what they wore. And I was like, you know, maybe I could do that. Maybe I could show up and be that person who shows what they're wearing. And there's still two people that I follow now. It's so um, exciting for me personally as well. I know when I come across other people that look like me or bigger and, and it's it's still feels really refreshing, which it shouldn't <laughs> and unusual. But it's, yeah, I think it's done a lot um, personally to get rid of kind of a lot of that shame of, you know, having spent so many years looking at, at bodies that I will never have and feeling wrong for it. To then see that um, reflected back in me, I found quite liberating. Yeah. Yeah. There's an account I really love called Historical Fat People. And I love it because I think a lot of photographs of fat people have not been seen, have not been mm. shared. And so there's this idea that, you know, there, there were no fat people in the past, which is utterly ridiculous. But without those records, without that um, comfort and willingness to be in the photo, people, you know, people can, types of bodies can be, in a way, kind of erased. They can be missing, you know, from our idea of, I mean, if you think about those magazines that you worked with, um, if, if they were the only record of what life was like in the 90s, can you imagine what people would think the way that bodies yeah. are supposed to be, right? Yeah. Like a size 16 is the largest body you'll see <clears throat> and it's a horror and make sure you wear a potato sack. So it's, it's like we've got to insert ourselves into history, I think, to make sure that um, when our kids and our grandkids, as you say, look back, they can see a fuller record of people and people's bodies. Yeah, especially because so much of what we look like is genetically determined. Like that photo mm. of my mum, my grandma and I, I know what I'm going to look like at 50. I know what I'm going <laughs> to look like at 70 because it's in the photo. Like I look so much like them, which I love. Yeah. Is that reassuring? Like what strength do you get from that? I'm interested in that. I don't know necessarily about reassuring, but it's just nice because my grandma's not with me physically, it means that I, I feel like I carry a bit of her with me. Mm, there's that connection there, yeah. It also challenges this ridiculous idea that you can completely reshape how you look and you're just a blank canvas that you can, you know, diet, exercise, cosmetically, surgically alter yourself to look different. When you see that history, when you see those generations, um, of people who look like you, you realize, oh, hang on, this is not a blank canvas. I yeah. can't change the way that I am. Like, this is just how it is. Absolutely. So Megan, tell us a little bit about how people can find bodies like these and get used to seeing them. When I was initially on social media, a lot of the people I was following were, I, I don't really know a good way to say this, but they were like thinspiration. 
They were yeah. the fit, toned bodies that I was like, yeah, I'm going to follow them and that's going to help inspire me to change my body. So essentially my entire feed on social media was full of diet culture. Um, and changing that feed to find people who look like me, um, which I did by taking the people that I followed on Tumblr and following them on Instagram and then looking at who they follow. Um, and now you could also do that by who they repost in their stories. Um, I think that's a really good way is looking at who they follow and finding people who look like you, but mm. also bodies who don't look like yours, not in an aspirational kind of way, but just to diversify the kinds of bodies that you're seeing. Um, so people who are bigger than you, people from different backgrounds, different races, um, different genders differently abled yeah we i mean at the moment those of us in Auckland will understand i haven't seen anyone apart from my partner except for brief trips to the supermarket in like three months mm. so what i see on social media is super important because i feel mm. like the more time we spend at home not interacting with different people with different bodies um we can get into this idea in our head that there is that only one way to be because just like back in the 90s when we had those magazines that only showed us one body type um, we are hyper aware of the kinds of bodies that we're seeing and one thing I've really noticed in social media lately coming out of lockdown people talking about how much weight they've gained over lockdown yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I use the mute button and the unfollow button so often because yes some of those feelings are valid but so many of them are rooted in fat phobia and I don't I don't personally find that kind of conversation helpful for me Mm -hmm. um so I try and follow people who do have a wide range of bodies um but also people who are being kind in changes to those bodies because especially as women, as we age, um, that kind of thing isn't really talked about even in, I guess, more in magazines now, but definitely wasn't growing up. You know, they didn't talk about aging because you just went and got Botox yeah. or used some magic cream that or you instantly made you younger. Yeah. Or, yeah, you just disappeared because apparently you're not featured in magazines anymore. Yeah, um, go so, live as a crone in the woods. Yeah, yeah. I think and, that's still happening. Which frankly is, which frankly is aspirational anyway to be a crone <laughs> yes. in the woods. Yeah, yes. I'm I'm totally keen for crone in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had a friend who turned fifty recently, and yeah, she said to me, "It's it really happens. You just suddenly become invisible. Like it's amazing." So that's such a good tip, Megan. Um, and actually, I have to say, one that comes up time and time again when we talk to people on this podcast is just how important it is to diversify that media, almost reverse brainwash yourself to what you've seen <laughs> everywhere else in the world. It is, it is a hard one to undo because sometimes the people we are friends with don't necessarily share the most helpful things. Mm. So if you don't, and you know, unfollowing someone can be feel, yeah. it can feel like a really harsh move. So mm. maybe mute them if you don't want to unfollow them. Because sometimes it can be really confronting to have to have that conversation of why did you unfollow me? If somebody's feed is making you feel lesser than in any way, 
whether it's to do with body image or it's to do with wealth or whatever it is, if it's making you feel lesser than, take a break Use and it. then make decisions about whether you want to include it back into your life again. That is absolutely a-okay. Yeah. Yes. Let's dive into getting into the photo because we really, there are a lot of people out there that just, they want to, they want to be in the photo, but they just don't know where to start. So what advice would you give to somebody who's just, you know, shaking in their, shaking in their boots <laughs> and, and wants to start? So for me, I had a self-timer. Um, so I had a remote shutter actually, um, but self-timer on your phone is fine if you don't have a remote shutter. And just take photos of yourself from different angles. That's probably the easiest one to do at home because you never have to show anybody. It's just mm -hmm. on your phone. You can delete them if you want. Um, do it at a time where you feel really good. So probably for me, a time that I wouldn't do them would be like when I've got my period, I have dirty hair, and I just feel really uncomfortable in my body. Probably not the time I'd pick. Um, but a time where you, you've like done your hair, you feel nice, um, you've got clothes on that you feel good in, or not, or maybe no clothes, like, you know, mm -hmm. if you're not showing anyone, that's fine, be as saucy as you like, take thirst traps for yourself, and you never have to share them, and I think that the more you become comfortable with seeing your body from different angles, the more you'll also become comfortable with those candid photos, because... Yeah. You can have the nicest posed photos that show your body from certain angles. Um, you know, they really highlight the bits of you that you like, but then somebody comes along and does a candid from a low angle that's badly lit and that can be You're hard undone. to see. Yeah, it can really undo you. And I know somebody who is a model who saw a candid photo of herself. Like she's really used to seeing herself in photos. Saw a candid photo of herself and she was like, I don't look like that. And I was like, well, you do from that angle and that lighting. Yeah, at that particular moment in time. Yeah. I think just having that exposure to your, to what your body looks like in different times will help you become more comfortable with them. Yes. I feel so strongly about the fact that how you look shouldn't be a shock to yourself you know if you're if you're only used to seeing one angle in the mirror at you know or the, like you say that one posed photo that you're always happy with seeing um it can really undo you like you were saying and it, it shouldn't like yeah it just shouldn't it shouldn't be a shock I think it's there's so much to be said for kind of desensitizing yourself and just getting really used to how you look and making that okay yeah absolutely mm. is this a kind of exposure therapy in a way like you're exposing yourself to yourself and you're seeing yourself as a 3D object? Because you mentioned before, Michelle, about the mirror, right? The mirror is only one. Yeah. You can only and see yourself in it if you're looking at it. Yes. And what's your view on filters, Megan? What have you noticed about some of the filters that are available out there for, for camera, for shots? Um, so I used filters quite a lot when I first started using Instagram. They were kind of like, I'm pretty sure everybody's used filters back then. Oh, yeah. And they were all really yeah. bad. <laughs> um, but mostly they just changed the lighting in a photo like you know mm. they didn't alter the person in the image it was mm. mostly about changing the lighting you know reducing some shadows that kind of thing but now I think a lot of the filters I see are ones that really change you so I love those snapchat filters that give you the dog ears 
yeah. so cute. <laughs> the ones that give you a, a moustache, amazing, oh, yeah. especially when used on babies. I love them. <laughs> However, the ones that you find, and I'm going to say predominantly on Instagram, but I know that you can find them on everything, um, that make your face thinner, your nose thinner, um, really smooth out your skin. I notice that when I use them, they're really not made for people who aren't white because uh, they mm. totally change what I look like. Um, and if you've got freckles, no, nope, they're gone. So they're really set to one standard of beauty. So personally, I don't use them unless it's like a real obvious fun filter like dog ears or something like that. I just prefer not to. Yeah, me too. And I just think the more photos of us just looking like ourselves out in the world, the better for everyone, right? You know, let's just see lots of normality. Absolutely. And what do you, when you look at photos now, um, how do you sort of assess the way you are in photos? Do you, are you looking at the aesthetic of yourself or are you thinking about the moment that the photo was taken or the mood that you were in? How do you, how has that changed? Um, so a lot of photos now when I look at them, I go, oh, are my eyes shut? Oh, they are. Because Doug will take 20 photos of me and one will have my eyes open. Like, I swear I don't blink that much, but apparently I do. Um, but when I look back at photos now, you know, you get on Facebook, your Facebook memories come up. And I love looking back on those photos to see how I did my hair, how I styled something. I get a lot of inspiration for what I wear by looking back at my Instagram. So. Yeah. I really love looking at stuff like that and it's almost never about how thin I looked mm. or how fat I looked. Yeah, it's about the being in that moment. There are times <clears throat> when I do think about my body size and that's usually when I look back, especially at photos of me as a teenager mm. and go, wow, I remember feeling so big and so gross, but I looked real hot. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> where did all that body image where did those image issues come from i i do that too i notice the disconnect i look back at old photos of myself and i'm noticing the disconnect between how my body actually looks in this in this two-dimensional tangible photograph and remembering really vividly how i felt in my mind like yeah. so for me it's that dys dysphoria i remember that i remember this I'm just like, whoa, there's a chasm of difference between how I looked and how I thought I looked. Yeah, yes, absolutely. I always thought I was so much bigger than my friends, but I saw a photo of us and I was like, actually, we're all the same size. Mm. So, what, okay, let's set a challenge for our listeners um, to take some photos of themselves. It sounds easy, but I know that will really challenge some people. Um, yeah, like Megan said, you know, on a day that you're feeling good, you're wearing something that you think is cute, you know, maybe you've done your hair, and just try seeing yourself from different angles. You can delete the photos afterwards. Take it easy on yourself, you know, if you start getting really worked up and, you know, just stop and try again another time. But I think it is such an important exercise to, to go through. I also want to put out the challenge that next time you catch up with a friend or family member, Hopefully that will be soon for those of us in Tamaki Makoto who haven't seen our friends and family in a while. Get them to snap a selfie with you. Yes. So it doesn't even have to be a full body photo. 
just a photo that you are in with somebody you love. Oh, I love it. I think if people want to share them, we would love to see these. If people yes. use hashtag Bod Almighty Photo Challenge, I'm just super nosy and I'm sure Michelle is too. And we'd love to see them, wouldn't we? Absolutely. I highly suggest that um, people just start with those steps that we talked about today. Like, you know, like Megan said, just getting the photos of yourself and, and just starting with those little steps. It's such a good way to begin the journey um, because it is such an important thing you know not just for business but you know like we were talking about before for family photos for generations for history all that stuff as well yeah so get in the photo do you feel too um megan the same as michelle that it is a kind of a practice like a muscle that you you your perspective changes but it does take time yeah absolutely i think i i don't know maybe the first year i was pretty uncomfortable in front of the camera and I think it, I think if I wasn't regularly showing up in the form of my blog to do it, it would have been way harder. Um, but the fact that I had committed to putting myself out there and doing it was what made it easier. But I think that in turn that made me more able to show up for other aspects of my life. Mm. So if you're not worrying about how you look in a photo, you can more easily get up in front of a crowd and and I know that's something people struggle with and public speaking is definitely my jam most other people not so much but one thing that doesn't bother me like I'm not thinking about how my body looks when I'm up there the more important thing is whatever I'm talking about people don't come to look at me I mean, some might, but (laughs) (laughs) that's maybe a bit weird, but you know, like they come to hear me talk about whatever I'm talking about. They're not coming to judge me on whether I have a bit more chin from this angle or that angle, you know? Yes. But you've also gotten yourself used to it. So it's a non-issue, right? So you, because you know what you look like from multiple angles, it's like, I know that there's no shock. There's no surprise. I'm not, I'm not hiding it from somebody. You're not like three, three hours in a mm. trench coach, just walking around and suddenly it's like, ta-da. Yeah, exactly. And that's actually how I feel about clothes as well is that I've chosen to wear whatever I've chosen to wear. It doesn't matter what I've chosen to wear because it's not like it's hiding the shape or size of my body. Mm. If I happen to wear a swimsuit at the beach, people aren't going to be shocked by the fact that I have a fat body. <laughs> like, pretty sure they would know if I was wearing a hoodie or if I was wearing a bikini. Yes. Megan, thank you so much for, um, yeah, all your insight and ideas and everything that you've shared with us today. Where can people find you? Uh, so you can find me mostly on Instagram. I am, this is Megan Kerr. Uh, I spend a lot of my time there because I work in social media. So kind of outside of work hours, uh, my capacity for posting in other places is a bit lower. Uh, So you can find me on Instagram and I also have a website. This is MeganKerr.com. And that's a great resource for lots of plus size fashion things. And also I talk a bit about body confidence, living as a fat woman, that kind of thing over there. Amazing. Thank you so much. 
You have been listening to Bod Almighty, the podcast that gives you practical how-to steps towards body acceptance and confidence. You can find us on Instagram at Bod Almighty Podcast. Please do get in touch to let us know if you have any questions or suggestions. We love to hear from you. From both of us, thank you and goodbye.